For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 253 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And, uh, surprise, surprise, we got Star Wars to talk about this week. Um, little, little bit of mixed emotions, we'll see. We'll see, I might need my buddy Will here to talk me off the ledge a little bit. We'll see oh, how no. it goes. Um, and we'll be talking about... <clears throat> a really good show whose title I'm still not a huge fan of that the uh, Disney Gallery The Mandalorian another really good episode of that series uh, and uh, then we'll be hearing from you guys we got some emails to catch up on and some new stuff that's come in so we will get through as much if not all of that if possible um, before we jump into that let me give you guys a little business you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blueharvestpodcast you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. <clears throat> if you'd like to support the podcast, um, if you dig what we do, we have a Patreon. Where for as little as $3 a month, you can get access to all kinds of super special bonus episodes. All kinds of fun, different podcasts we put together. For our Patreon subscribers. So if you're interested, go over to patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast and uh, get you some extra podcasts to listen to. So, buddy, how you been? I've been all right. I've been hanging in there. Yep, yep. Same here. Um, dude, <coughs> I went to uh, one of the offices I go to for work this week, right? Right. It's one I haven't been to since March 16th. So I'm way behind on work there. And just I've tried to go the past like two weeks or whatever since things started been opening back up here. And the line to get in, like the first time I went, the security guard in the parking lot was just like, dude, turn around. You're not getting in today. The line's cut off. 
Oh, wow. The second time I went, the line wasn't as bad, and the security guard was like, oh, I think it's only about five hours. I ain't waiting in line with five hours with a bunch of <clears throat> a bunch of folks, so I turned around and left yet again. Well, this week I was able to get in, right? And in those two months since I've been, they completely redesigned this office, and it looks like something out of <coughs> a dystopian sci-fi movie. Oh, Jesus. It is walls and walls and cubicles of plexiglass separators. Like, on one hand, it was kind of like, like, uh, freaky to see, right? On the other hand, I felt extremely safe. Like, uh, I went in and did my work. Nobody's coughing on me in my cubicle. No, and you know, I had my, I was rocking my mask and had my hand sanitizer set and like, the terminal I was working at, they had like wipes set up so you could wipe everything down before and after you use it. And I came in no direct contact with anybody. The only person I talked to was behind a sheet of plexiglass. So I got to say, as odd as it was to to see and like sort of unnerving at first, like I also felt very safe and I was glad to see that they had, uh, you know, gone through the trouble to do that to the, yeah. Oh, I got to tell you about this game, right? So our buddy Steve, right, texts me yesterday and he's like, hey, you need to check out this trailer for a game called Shaolin versus Wu-Tang on Xbox, right? Okay. And I go and look and it's a, it's a fighting game. It's sort of like an indie studio fighting game. And I'm looking at him like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that guy looks like Bruce Lee. Oh, that guy looks like Donnie Yen. The entire roster are famous Hollywood or, you know, movie, not necessarily Hollywood. Martial artists, yeah. Martial artists. But clearly, they didn't want to pay for the licenses, so none of them are named. But it's very clear clear who everybody is. And so, dude, it's got... His Bruce... name's not Bryce Lou. No. Or anything like no, that. No, they're just named after their particular martial arts styles. Okay. So, like, you pick the Taekwondo fighter, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, anyways, Bruce Lee, Ip Man, Donnie Yen, um, yep. uh, Jet Li, uh, fucking... All Wushu fighters, right? Oh, no. Steven Seagal, Chuck Norris, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, my goodness. Bolo, the villain from uh, the guy who played the villain in Bloodsport. Tong Po, the villain from Kickboxer. Dude, they're all there. And they even have like, I don't know, something like 30 different stages that are all different, like sort of iconic locations from uh, martial arts movies. Versus Wu-Tang. Is it the Wu-Tang Clan uh, uh, as fighters? No. No, you know, they got their name from old martial arts movies. I mean, I, I know. I was just curious. <laughs> no, no, they're not in it. If and the RZA was in there throwing down. Apparently, the whole game was made by one dude. And look, wow. it is. Um, it's a little janky. There's no. You're not going to play this and be like, "Holy shit, Street Fighter has been dethroned." There needs to be MLG Pro League of this <laughs> now. Evo. I think that's what the big fighting game tournament okay. is called. Is Evo. Uh, you know, Mortal Kombat ain't sweating this game, but 
I downloaded it today. It's on sale for like thirteen ninety nine or some shit. Uh, I downloaded it today and played a couple of matches as, of course, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And it is definitely, I could see it being way more enjoyable, like multiplayer, playing with someone else or having right. people over in a distant, more safe time, passing the controllers around. I got next, trying to take down Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right, down. <clears throat> it was It was a lot of fun. So... If that's if something that interests any of you guys, you just check it out. Apparently, it's been out on, like, Steam for a couple of years now. But it just came to Xbox. I'm not sure if it's out on PlayStation. <coughs> Sounds awesome. It is pretty neat. So, um, you, what were you going to say? When I was saying Wushu, like, uh, aren't it men? He was a Wushu fighter, right? Buddy. I think Ip Man, Jet Li, and Bruce Lee. I know Bruce Lee created Jeet Kune Do, but I, he studied under the Ip Man, which I thought was Wushu. Buddy, I don't really know. That's okay. one of those things that like, I don't want to say, oh, yeah, it's this or that, because then like, tomorrow there's going to be a bing bong at my door, and there's going to be some martial arts trivia expert standing outside in a gi. You know like, nothing. I will make you say my day. Three three sizes too small, and he fucking puts a foot up my ass and around the corner. <clears throat> but, um, shit. I hit a major. Oh, you know the one person that I was hoping would be in there besides Jean Claude Van Damme, um, that they got to get on like a sequel roster or something. It's fucking Tony Jaw. Tony Jaw. No, Tony Jaw. Was Chuck Norris in there? Oh, yeah. Chuck Norris is okay. on there. Chuck fucking Norris. <laughs> yes. It's crazy. Tons maybe of Tony Jaw is too recent. Yeah. I mean, maybe. That could very well be it, but I don't know that that's... He gave up that life to be a monk, didn't he? Yeah, that was the story that went around for a little while, but then he eventually came back and he's doing movies again. Like, he did a, okay. a sequel to... The Protector. Um, I can't remember what it's... Protecting the Elephants. Right, that's the first one. But, but I can't remember what the... Uh, it goes by a different title as well. I started watching the movies that inspired the Wu-Tang. Um, you know, the 36th Chamber. Disciple of the 36th Chamber. Return from the 36th Chamber. And they're all... They're very different. They're like spiritual successors. They're not direct sequels, right? So Right. Like, but they all deal with Shaolin martial arts, which is really cool. But they're gotcha. they're they're not awful. They're good. They're good kung fu movies. Yeah, I mean, there's some dicey spots in them. Like, I've seen a ton. Okay, like, so this wouldn't fly today. Uh, okay. Apparently, the other name for the protector is Tom Young Gung. Okay. Uh, he did a sequel to that. I'm trying to see what he's been up to lately. Um. I know he did like Ong Bak 2 and 3 even, maybe. Yeah, 2 and 3 are pretty good. Uh, he was in a Fast and the Furious movie. All right. Wow. I guess he was in Furious 7. He was also in Triple X Return of Xander Cage. That's why I don't know what he's been in lately, because I don't watch that stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess he's going to be in The Monster Hunter. He's in Detective Chinatown 3. Um, 
So yeah, he's still working. Nice. Love me some Tony Jaw. <coughs> Anyways, you know what we're recording on? You know what today is? What is today? The 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. That's a good day to record then. Yeah, man. You know, it's it's pretty funny, except for the sequel, except for the modern Star Wars movies. Um, You know, every one of them has an anniversary in May. <laughs> so for the past couple of weeks, it's been like, happy 20 or 18th anniversary to uh, Attack of the Clones and... Because um, the summer used to be the rake-in money time for the movies. Yeah, and I mean, except for this summer, it still is, you know. Yeah. You, you know, you look at when the big Marvel movies and stuff come out. <clears throat> but yeah, since the uh, original trilogy, all of them were in May. So May is a big month for Star Wars anniversaries. And it just so happens that this is the 40th. So it's like a, a nice big round number. Uh, and you know who made his illustrious debut in a little movie 40 years ago? My man, Boba Fett. Boba Fett. So, keeping the uh, theme of the last couple of weeks going, we got a little Boba Fett news. Uh-oh. Is that good or bad? <laughs> well, I don't know, man. So, uh, you know, last week, all kinds of excited because the Hollywood Reporter uh, had their story about Tamora Morrison returning for a small part as Boba Fett in season two of The Mandalorian. Well, then last Friday, <clears throat> the Hollywood Reporter, rep once again, reports that Timothy Oliphant, 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 however you say it, um, is joining the cast of the second season of The Mandalorian. Okay. And people were real excited about that. You know, people liked that guy because he was in that show Justified. He was in Deadwood. I know him as, of, as uh, having been in Scream 2 and a little movie called Catch and Release with Jennifer Garner and Kevin Smith where he was apparently a giant douche to Kevin Smith on set. Yikes. Um, so, you know. People... I know him from uh, The Girl Next Door. It's this little movie about a girl this, that's like, next door. This goody goody kid who falls like for like a porn star or whatever. I've and seen he's that. The porn star's boyfriend or whatever. I've seen that. It's the um, it's the lady. She was like in twenty four and stuff. She was like Alicia Cuthbert. Right. She was big for a hot minute there. Yeah. Um He was in the office. Timothy Oliphant. Oh, okay. Sure was. He was like the handsome salesman. Well, anyways. He, that never um, called Pam back or whatever. <laughs> Hollywood Reporter comes out and says, you know, he's going to be in uh, The Mandalorian Season 2. Well, then, on Tuesday, Slash Film. Now, Slash Film, for some context, um, is the same outlet that reported on Ahsoka appearing in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. Um, they have a big story about uh old tim and his involvement in season two and this is what they had to say last week it was revealed that justified and deadwood star timothy oliphant has had been cast in the mandalorian season two 
in an unknown role. Oliphant's casting is a story we've been chasing and trying to confirm for months now. And while we didn't get to break the news, we do have some juicy information to add regarding Oliphant's Mandalorian Season 2 role. Which established Star Wars Universe character is he playing in the upcoming season? And why is he wearing Boba Fett's iconic armor? So basically, um, he's going to be in the Boba Fett armor in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. And uh, it looks like that he is very likely going to be playing the role of Cobb Vanth, who we have been talking about for a couple of months now when discussing the possibilities of Boba Fett showing up in The Mandalorian. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so just a quick refresher in case anybody doesn't know. Cobb Vanth is a character that was created by Chuck Wendig in the Aftermath trilogy. Um, he is a character who seemingly buys uh, Boba Fett's Mandalorian armor from some Jawas. And then he becomes like a sheriff on Tatooine, right? Right. And it was a question that we had like, oh, if Boba Fett's going to be in there, what are they going to do with the whole Cobb Vance storyline? Because there could be some sort of conflict there. Right. <laughs> Especially if he's going to be in you know, the familiar getup that we're so used to. And, uh, you know, it looks like we may have an answer to that qu question. Uh, and I don't know how I feel about it. This Why really, well, okay. Cause this could mean a couple of things. Could this mean that we only see Boba Fett in flashbacks dying in the Sarlacc pit? Cause, uh. Bro, that would bub me out real hard. I'm telling you right now. You don't, you're not ready for them to pass the mantle. No, especially not to Timothy Oliphant. I know that dude's got a bunch of fans. Uh, you can't count me among them. Uh, no statement on his acting ability or anything like that. <clears throat> but I'm just... Uh, you don't like him because he was rude to Kevin Smith. Oh, that's a... No bones about it. That's a big part of it, my friend. Yeah. That's a big part of it. It definitely took the shine off Bruce Willis for me. Oh yeah, big time, right? That's the one thing about Kevin Smith is if he works with someone on a project, he will not hesitate to talk about them acting poorly on set. That's very true. <clears throat> um. So yeah. Or are we looking at a situation kind of like we discussed last week where Cobb Vanth is rolling around on Tatooine wearing this armor that doesn't belong to him and old Boba shows up to get it back from him. I just don't know that that would qualify as a small role, you know? Really I mean, sort of maybe a, maybe Din Djarin shows up and takes it off of him. He's like, you're not allowed to wear that. Like, whips his ass and takes the armor. And that's it. That's all he's there for. Yeah, but then what is what is Boba Fett's role in all this? Is it just a flashback? Maybe that's the question you hang on to until the very end of the season. Like, 
Why? What happened to Boba Fett? Why did this dude have Boba Fett's armor? Yeah, because that's another. And then Tamora thing. Morrison shows up. Now, what I will say is why I like this because I don't want to just shit on this, even though it has taken a little bit off of, a little bit of the sheen off my Boba Fett excitement because now it's got me thinking like, oh, maybe I shouldn't really be all that excited, you know? And um, I mean. He seems like a good actor, Timothy Oliphant. I know he seems like an asshole. He's probably a natural asshole, and that's just why he said plays good assholes. Um, oh, I'm not taking anything again. Uh, he's super tall. Like, he's a really tall. Like, mm. so it's going to be interesting to see Boba Fett that tall. You know what I mean? Well, <clears throat> so what I was going to say that I like about it, because I don't want to just shit on it, because, you know, just because I wanted to just be Boba Fett and and only Boba Fett. Uh, What I do like about it is that it's doing something that Star Wars unfortunately rarely does, which is treat the book material as important as the films and the shows and the animation. You know what I mean? Because we've already seen... Go ahead. It's like they went through the effort of making sure you knew that all that stuff previous was legends and like this is now right you know canon starts now so okay committing to that that means the things that you put in books right has to be canon like that's where it's got to come from you know if you if you are already put that out there exactly and so I'd like to see that so you know I I can't you know hate on it too bad because I do like the fact that because it would be just really easy for them to ignore that and just have oh, Boba yeah. Fett in his armor and then they would leave it up to some writer or visual dictionary or whatever it is to come in and fill the gaps and say, well, this is what happened. This is how Boba Fett got his armor back or he had an extra set and, you know, sort of hash out <clears throat> the conflict that way. Right. And you know how I always say like, the books are canon until they're not. Well, this is a good sign or like a good treatment of the books being canon, in my opinion. You know, like, right. right. So, like, a, you know, I can't hate on it too bad. I just, it, it makes me nervous and it did sort of temper my Boba Fett in Mandalorian season two excitement a little bit because I'm telling you right now, if I'm going to be hyped up for the next five months, until this show starts and it just turns out that it, you know, it's just a, a voice cameo from Tamora Morrison getting eaten by the Sarlacc pit. Bruh, virus be damned. I'm strapping a mask on, a face shield. I'm hopping on a plane, flying to San Diego, and I'm snatching that hat off of Dave Filoni's head. <laughs> You'll get this back when you grow up. <laughs> You'll get this back when Boba Fett gets his armor back, Dave Filoni. I don't care about all that beautiful shit you said about the Phantom Menace and Return of the Jedi and that one episode of fucking Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian. I don't care. You hurt my feelings, Filoni. You Filoni baloney. I mean, in okay, I will. I'm only gonna play the devil's advocate for you for just once. Is if if you're gonna see more of this character. Like, Tamora Morrison is awesome to see him, especially in The Mandalorian. But, like, let's say after that, is it possible that you would be cool with Cobb Vanth being the new Boba Fett? 
Just if what if he gets a miniseries or a movie? Oh, I don't know. Maybe this is the way he gets life because Tamora Morrison is aging. I mean, he looks great. He's still in great shape, but like he's not going to be able to do all that. Yeah, but once again, and we'll talk about this in a little bit when it comes to uh, Disney, you know, the latest episode of Disney Gallery. Like, you need Tamora Morrison's voice. Like, I'm not expecting Boba Fett, if he's in the armor at all in Mandalorian Season 2, to actually be in the armor. I'm expecting it to be I mean, voice yeah. work, you know? Pedro was only in the armor for what a third of the time like it was uh, if that maybe well like what well, like I said we'll talk about that in a second but yeah so I would personally I would prefer to see the character Boba Fett more than the character Cobb Vanth continue on now I'm also open to changing my mind on that because I haven't seen the character yet the only thing I've gotten from that character is uh, a handful of interludes in a book. And, you know, that's harder for me to connect with personally than it is seeing them on screen and things like that. So they could change my mind. I'm I'm open to that. I just... We've gotten so little of actual Boba Fett at this point that I'm not ready yet to pass that on to a different character you know what i mean yeah yeah <coughs> but i feel you i'm staying open to it it just it makes me it makes me a little worried that i got a real excited for no reason a couple of weeks ago well it depends on how much you want to see a boba fett i guess you would think he a could lot. be a major part of an episode or several episodes Right, and you know, like I said, it was from the beginning. Hollywood Reporter said that it was going to be a small part, and then there was that report that you know it was setting up for a bigger role in season three. Now, could that be true? I can't, still can't remember who reported that, like what source that came from. So I don't know if it's like reliable. I know it wasn't something shitty, like we got this covered or one of those type of sites, but. It was, you know, it, it also wasn't a site that I saw and I was like, well, this is reliable info, you know, but even if that is the case, if they said, you know, if they got information that it was building to a bigger role in season three, is it possible that some wires got crossed and it's Cobb Vanth in the Boba Fett armor that is in line for a bigger role in season three? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I could see how easy it would be for those wires to get, you know, crossed in the, like, sources for that scoop or whatever, right? You know, because people are just going to see the Boba Fett armor, be like, oh, it's Boba Fett. Now, Timur Morrison coming back to do the voice, that is something completely different. But the continuation of that character, I don't know. I don't know. But which which means like the the spurs. Mm-hmm. See, here's the thing about the spurs. You go through specifically in the Mandalorian season one of ex- like kind of making a point that to be a decent Mandalorian or a legendary Mandalorian, he's got to tame beasts, right? 
Yeah, I mean, they definitely sort of made a bit of a, a point about that with the Blurg and the Mythosaur. Right? Mm, like, yeah. So, and then the big rhino thing where he steals the egg and the that mud they the Mudhorn. Uh, so the Spurs, to me, I thought just to me were natural of like beast taming or beast riding, if that made sense. Well, so this is other the, than that, they don't serve a purpose. You know what I mean? To sound cool and to give you that subconscious Western gunslinger vibe. That's sort of the I purpose they serve. Like, I mean, not I get in your universe, but like to the audience. Um, now, speaking of the Spurs, now, if this Cobb Vanth story is true, then that pretty much probably means the character that we saw at the end of that episode was Cobb Vanth and not Boba Fett. Right. On Tatooine, the Spurs, wearing Boba Fett's armor, that was probably Cobb Vanth, not Boba Fett. Which, uh, Okay. Alrighty then. Alrighty then. <coughs> but, um, yeah, that's the latest Boba Fett update. You want to talk about Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm primed. Yeah, so we hit the third episode, um, which was all about sort of the cast of the show. Well, at least the main characters. Uh, and once again, I really liked it. I like the format. I feel like we get some pretty interesting information. You know, a little, a few nuggets here and there during each episode. And this was no different. Um, so, you, we were sort of talk about, talking about it earlier. One of the things I really liked about this episode was that they did... Uh, a good job of highlighting the stunt performers for the Mandalorian. <coughs> um, and the two uh, stunt performers were Brendan and Lafitte, I believe is how you say his name. Brendan Wayne, actually, which is John Wayne's grandson. Uh, and it's sort of, without going too far to confirming it, definitely sort of confirmed something I had sort of figured since the first season was that Pedro Pascal is not in that armor most of the time in the show. Right. Uh, I don't know if you remember, you know, when they started filming the first season, they had announced a lot of the cast before Pedro Pascal was announced. He was out there and rumored and stuff, but official confirmation took a while. And I think that's probably because they started filming before he was actually signed on. Um, and, you know, then there was a report. Can't remember who did it. That, that basically said, like, for, I guess, episode three, the one that's sort of the homage to Seven Samurai. Like, I don't think Pedro Pascal is in the armor for any of that episode. No. I mean, you really don't see his face, but for, like, a couple seconds at the end. Yeah, and he's definitely in the armor more than that, you know, than just that scene, but not a whole lot, which is totally fine. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't um, affect my enjoyment of the show or the character or his performance 
or anything. But I, what I do like is that instead of just sweeping that under the rug, they featured his uh, stunt performer so much in this episode. <clears throat> Which that is true. isn't necessarily how it always goes, you know? Those, uh, those guys can sort of be the unsung heroes of movies and stuff that don't get the focus a lot of times. Right. I'm really glad they did because I know they make the character. It really is kind of like Miss Deborah Chow was talking about how hard it is to make a masked character emote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really thought it was effective how they really emoted with him. How every like she was talking about how every move was determined and had a purpose. Like it made a lot of sense. Like and I I saw that what they were going for and I was impressed. Yeah, and and I also thought it was neat that like. One stunt performer, uh, I guess Brendan Wayne, was sort of the guy they used for the gunslinging stuff. And the other stunt performer was for the more like physical fight choreography stuff. Right. Which I thought was an interesting approach to take to that. Um, You know, get someone that specializes in each thing to really make each element strong, right? Right. Um also thought it was pretty interesting that they talked about how Carl Weathers was originally going to be like an alien, like in prosthetics and stuff. Right. And, and I like how Carl Weathers was like, ah, they ain't going to cover this. They're not going to cover this face. Look at this. Look at this face. How are you going <laughs> to cover this face? Yeah, I really like that. It was funny. Um. Man, I wish all Star Wars content got this sort of in-depth of behind-the-scenes coverage, you know? I think this is the only one that was... <laughs> hmm? Like, this is the first of its kind, is what it feels like. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's going to be a lot more of these to come. Yeah, especially with the shows. We kind of talked about it last week. I bet you they use this particular branding for all their original content you know sort when of. you think about it it's really a collaboration of directors like a really large collaboration of directors yeah and so that's really a missed opportunity not to have them all sit down and talk people you know the insights and the things they talk about that's yeah what everybody wants to know <laughs> the one thing that i kind of wish they had gotten into with this episode was some of the secondary casting that they did because some of those guest appearances in the season were so good. Like, no Nick Nolte, you know? Uh, you know, I understand. Yeah. You know, if they can't get them in to do the roundtable, that's fine. But at least talk about casting the character and things like that. No Bill Burr. No any of the... Like, there were so many cool guest appearances in that first season that... You know, on an episode talking about the cast, I wish they had <coughs> focused on them a little bit as well. And maybe that's to come later down the road. Maybe. Um, I'm trying to think. Especially if those characters come back, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, our buddy Steele told us when we had him on the show last week, or not last week, last time, that he's pretty sure... Um, that uh, Bill Burr is back for season two, so it would make sense. 
it'd be a missed opportunity, I feel like. Yeah, you got to feel like that whole crew has a bone to pick with the Mandalorian after that yeah. episode. And the Kurgan? Bring the Kurgan oh, back. Fuck. Yeah, bring Clancy Brown, man. Yeah. More Clancy Brown. <clears throat> yeah, um, I'm digging this show, though. I uh, I really am looking forward to... I think they do have like a a technology episode coming up at some point that gets more in depth than the technology and stuff that they use to make the show. That's an episode I'm really looking forward to. That'd be awesome. Uh, and other than that, I can't remember what the other four episodes are about because it's eight total. Um, but I, I'm digging it, you know, still think that maybe it would have been, well, I don't know. Given the way that they're doing it and how they're breaking it up, maybe it wouldn't have worked being released alongside the show, but a little closer to the end of the first season maybe would have been nice. Um, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Did you have any other takeaways from it that you thought were neat? None that, none that we haven't talked about. Uh, I'm sure one will come to me, but I think... I think we've covered most of it it's just impressive that they all got together some of it seemed like bullshit like some of it seemed when pedro pascal was telling stories about like it just seemed like they were bullshitting you know around the table oh you mean you don't mean like bullshit like oh that's not true but you mean like just bullshitting like shooting the shit shooting I guess the shit yeah. should, dude that story were, about the day they were filming uh, his face reveal and he ran into some plywood and had to go to this is the hospital, yeah. yeah, and get stitches in his nose. This is another piece where I think just sort of lends credence to my theory that he wasn't not, not just my theory. Many people have said this, but that he's not in that costume a whole lot in that show. Was he said like Gina Carano was like <coughs> <coughs> she says something to the effect of, and I have to give you props because you went to the emergency room and got stitches and then came back to do your filming. And he goes, man, you guys moved mountains. There's no way I wasn't. And to me, that sort of signifies that there were some scheduling issues or something, that they really had to right. work around his schedule or do something special to get everybody together on set for that. So that was, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. <clears throat> yeah, and then. Definitely. Before this whole Cobb Vant story uh, dropped, you know, there's that scene where um, John Favreau was talking about how Boba Fett is sort of a play on the man with no name and the Spurs, and he's like stroking his goatee and talking about gunslingers and Spurs and Boba Fett, and I was just like, oh man, Steele actually tagged me in a clip of it before. The, uh, I saw the episode and he was like more evidence to add to the Boba Fett pile. Oh, and I was all excited. Woo. And then now I don't know anymore, man. I don't know. Uh, I think you'll, I think you'll be excited when you see it. I mean, regardless, I'm excited for the show, but I'm once again, for going from being like full masked, turgid excited about Boba Fett in season two back to fucking let's temper the expectations Burkhart 
Let's get these expectations po- expectation ponies back in the stable. <laughs> you want to do some voicemails and some emails? I think that'll be cool. Yeah, man, let's do it. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his bud. Kia D. Cockhead. To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kia D. Cockhead. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge. But he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead. All right, so our first one is King Tom. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey there, Hawsonwell. Wanted to wish the two of you a happy anniversary of all of the Star Wars movies that came out over the this week and next week, because the original six, you know, that were all released in the, the last few weeks of May before Memorial Day, so it feels like an excuse, not that I need one, to watch any of the old Star Wars movies, and I hope uh, you guys are... are doing something similar that you have the time to. There was a bit of sad news this week. Uh, We found out that Charles Lippincott died. Lippincott was uh, a Fox employee back in the 70s, and he was the first real publicist that the Star Star Wars as a movie had. And you got the sense because he was always quoted and his work was always used in, in any history or anything from that time period. And you got the sense that... Star Wars was more than a job to him, that he really loved the story that George was telling and that he believed in the movie. And it's, you know, I I like going back and reading the making of and all the contemporary things about what was going on at the time, but there is a, and I I think we might have talked about this before, there was a a science fiction convention, it might have even been Comic-Con, the year before Star Wars came out that Lippincott went to and Mark Hamill went to and they had some you know, pictures, they sold posters and it, it, it's it's pretty famous for being one of the first places that Star Wars was exposed to mass audience and I, and I wanted to throw a weird question out there. What if you could get in the Blue Horus time machine and go back to 1976 and you know go watch the presentation and maybe even get to talk to Charles Lippincott afterwards? What would you tell him about Star Wars? If you could tell or give him anything, information that he would believe and even pass on, maybe. Um, you know, you, if, if you rewrote the script of Empire in a black marble notebook, uh, you know, mentioning how Chewbacca raised his fur- fury fist, uh, you could <laughs> pass that notebook on to him. So George had a little bit of a head start. Me, I would, I would tell him, that everything is going to be okay, and also to pass on to George, don't hire Richard Marquand. Oh, that that would just be 
my advice. But I want to know what you know if there's anything that that wouldn't tinker too much with the laws of time and space that you could tell him. Looking forward to seeing what you guys have to say. Anyway, hope you're well. Thanks for the great podcast. Thanks for listening, and I will talk with you later. Oh, well, you know I love a, a good time travel what if. Oh, yeah, you do. Man, I love a good... What would you do? Mr. Lippincott is what we're talking about? Yes. Like, what would you go... Like, I know what I would go and tell him. And this wouldn't be for the benefit of Star Wars necessarily, or George Lucas even. It would be um, for the benefit of Mr. Lippincott himself, which, rest in peace. Um, I would go and tell him, hey, man, uh, you should go to George and negotiate a couple of percentage points for uh, Star Wars merchandise. Trust me on this. Get a couple of points. Even if it's a, a percentage of a percentage, get you some points in Star Wars merchandise, my dude, because that shit's going to be huge. I would thank him for marketing this to the entire world to make it the phenomenon that it is. <clears throat> uh, the other thing I would do is I would go and I would I would become real friend like I would become real friendly with him, right? And then be like, hey, if you guys ever need like someone just in the background, like an extra, if they ever do a sequel to this movie, like hit me up, and then. Uh, me and you would be on the podcast talking about, uh, you ever watch this scene in empire in echo base, man, that guy looks like me, huh? Weird, <laughs> right? He's in a space wheelchair. He must've went to the Kumite. <laughs> oh, that's dark. Oh man. You know who uh, else unfortunately passed away this week? Um, you know, it's sort of become a classic behind-the-scenes picture over the last few years. Um, it's, uh, it's a picture, a behind-the-scenes picture of Luke and the land speeder. Like, C-3PO's in the back, R2's laying down, and Luke's standing outside. And there's a guy in, like, real tiny, all he's wearing is real tiny pink shorty shorts holding the boom mic up to record the dialogue and stuff. Yep. <clears throat> that that guy passed away this week. Ken Nightingale. Um I just uh I just know how much uh enjoyment I got out of every now and then you would see the meme come out that's like every time you watch Star Wars uh, I want it to be in the back of your mind that the dialogue was recorded by a dude in tiny pink shorty shorts. <clears throat> but yeah, he passed away this week at 92. And that's a bummer as well. All right, let's see who we have up next. Um, next up, we got Rick. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Oz and Will, it's Rick. Um, hope you guys are doing well. It's been a crazy couple of weeks with all the news and stuff. And uh, I got a couple of questions. Um, first, Ozzy Oz, I got a question uh, concerning all of these um, Boba Fett things that are might be happening in The Mandalorian Season 2. 
and mainly concerning uh, some Legends stuff, is there anything from Legends that you've read or come across that you'd maybe like to see make its way into the canon side of Boba Fett's story? Um, I don't know how much there is. I, I didn't really read the tales from Jobs Palace and some of the other comics and stuff besides like Dark Empire that he was in. Uh, Dark Empire 2 actually, but um, whatever you got to say to that, you know, would be pretty cool. And, um, and Will, um, I just bought a, uh, a charcoal grill for myself and my family and just um, I'm really looking forward to seeing some more cooking with Will. And I, I know it's a crazy, crazy time and um, if uh, some, some grilling recipes uh, make their way out, that would be greatly appreciated. So um, I'll leave you guys with that. I hope uh, y'all are doing well. Thank you for a stellar show week after week. We'll talk soon. All righty. Thanks, Rick. Um, so Boba Fett legend stuff. Like, not that there's not cool stuff from Boba Fett and the Legends material. There definitely is. But I don't know that there's anything that I'm super down with or super interested, rather, in them bringing over. Um, mainly because some of the stuff I ended up liking best in Legends sort of played off the idea that he was actually a Mandalorian and not someone just wearing Mandalorian armor. And, you know, we know that's sort of out the door at this point. But, like... If I'm not mistaken, in like <clears throat> the new Jedi Order books, he actually sort of rebuilds Mandalorian society and takes the role of Mandalore, sort of like the head of the Mandalorians or whatever. And I always thought that was kind of cool. And they actually, <clears throat> he sort of transitions into being more of a good guy uh, once the whole Yuzan Vong thing goes down, right? Um, yeah, I, I did like the story from Legends, and I think if I'm not mistaken, it was sort of one of many uh interpretations on how he escapes the Sarlacc. But Dengar comes back and helps him get out of the Sarlacc pit. Um, not that I necessarily want it to be Dengar, but that would be kind of cool if one of the classic bounty hunters is sort of who, who ends up rescuing him from the Sarlacc pit. Uh, that was always an element that I thought was kind of neat. Talking about having Boba Fett owe you a favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, you could think of worse people to have, you know, owe you a solid somewhere down the line, right? Right. <clears throat> All right, Will. Charcoal. I'm going to put you on the spot. Give Rick a quick, easy charcoal grill. Like, if you're going to fire up the charcoal grill... And you got to do something quick and tasty. What are you doing? I will take asparagus spears and I will brush them with olive oil mm -hmm. and salt and pepper them. Uh, and then I will place them on the top rack of the grill with the stems towards the hottest part uh, and let them kind of smoke and slow cook on, on that top rack and just adjust them and roll them ever so slightly. That's after you get your fire going. Once you get your charcoals going, it's been about 10, 20, 10, maybe 
12 to 15 minutes those coals are where they should be you put everything up there and you let it cook basically the duration of what else you're going to do and for else on the grill we're going to take a steak and we can marinate it in just maybe a teaspoon it depends on how many steaks you got but just maybe a teaspoon or two of balsamic vinegar uh maybe some honey or some olive oil some garlic some rosemary uh, let that marinate for 30 minutes to an hour to overnight before you do it. And you can throw that on the grill, sear on the hottest part for two minutes, and then flip and sear it on the other side on the hottest part for two minutes, and then set it over to let indirect heat finish cooking it to the temperature you want, tending it and flipping it over time. Salt and pepper it heavily on the last couple of minutes, or even at the beginning when you put it on the grill. Some people, I, I tend to season it before I put it on, but... You can however you want. Uh, heavily salt and peppered is usually good for a steak. Once you get that to you want, you pull it off and let it rest for half the amount of time that you cook the steak. And then you go ahead and slice it up. Uh, mm. And then you can pull your asparagus spears after you've cooked your steak. You can pull, they'll have this nice smoky aroma from all the charcoal you've been burning and the juices from the steak. And you can pull them down to the bottom and just put a little bit of char on them, a little bit of color on those asparagus spears. And then uh, go ahead and pull them off. You may need to salt and pepper them one more time, or it may be enough for you, depending on how how, how heavily seasoned you like your vegetables. But uh, they should be really good, those asparagus spears in that steak. Damn. That's why he is a Chef Will. Sounds delicious. All right, next up we have a voicemail from Mark. Morning, Oz. Good morning, Will. Uh, this morning where I am, I'm on my way to work. I, uh, I was just listening to uh, the latest podcast, and you guys were talking about FET and uh, how hilarious it would be if Taika Waititi directed a Boba Fett movie, just to you know tick off all the haters. Um, and then it just popped into my head: Wouldn't it be cool if they do a FET movie, but they treat it like Solo, the sequel to Solo, and you have? You know, Alden Ehrenreich back. Basically, they treat it like the sequel to the Solo movie that we didn't get. And uh, that would be an awesome way to do that. You get Fett, uh, you know, back, I guess, in that era when him and, you know, you could show the development of Han and his rivalry. Maybe they were friends. Maybe they were all, all on the same smugglers crew and some beef developed. And I did that. just think that would be fucking awesome <laughs> but anyway that's it uh hope you guys are doing well uh this covid thing is uh a mess and uh anyway that's all i got just wanted to say that y'all have a good day may the force be with you that would be cool and honestly i i mean i don't know this for sure but i don't know that that's not necessarily <coughs> somewhat a direction that they were considering at some point you know right you have to imagine right will that at some point in the development of solo the idea of boba fett showing up in that movie came up and then you have to imagine that they purposely didn't include boba fett for you know a variety of reasons maybe it was because you know they had already you know, had early designs and productions going on for a Boba Fett movie, 
or they wanted to save him for a solo sequel of some sort or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I can't imagine that <laughs> that wasn't sort of at some point part of the plan as far as continuing the story of Alden Ehrenreich as solo. You know, you have to think that, a, you know, I, I don't know how true it was, but, you know, there was that report that he was signed on for a certain number of movies as Han Solo. Right. And you would think that naturally the whole Han Solo Boba Fett rivalry would be something they would explore at some point. You know, it'd be kind of neat. You you know, if you got Boba Fett in that time period, you could do the same armor but less weathered. So That's like, true. While it would still be the same armor, you could do, do sort of a fresh take on it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> like, Imagine what it would look like fresh set. Yeah, I don't know that you would want to do like fresh off the car lot paint job on it you know i think part of the coolness of boba is how weathered and like that whole lived in universe feel he has about him mm -hmm. but i think you could pull it back some maybe don't have the dent in the helmet you know uh less weathering on the helmet and stuff so yeah i i, I do think that would be cool you know personally my interest in Boba Fett stories has always been post Return of the Jedi, just because that means he re he survived. But I would not uh, turn my nose up at a pre original trilogy Boba Fett story either. Right. <clears throat> All right. Next up, we got a voicemail from Jim. gentlemen doing i wanted to talk to you about the high republic and what it means what it means um possibly so kylo ren's lightsaber when it came out <clears throat> kind of made it made people think of medieval times and stuff like that knights and and all that good stuff so it's just going to make it that much easier to see stuff like that in the high republic which is hopefully going to make it even easier to go way back and get some Tar Vizsla, uh, like you were hoping for. Maybe an animated show sounds great. Um, but the real question is, what type of difference, what type of differences do you expect uh, in the High Republic? If they were to release a movie or TV show, you know, this year, at the end of this year, what would you expect to see? I mean, I... I kind of, I, we've seen what they look like, but do you think there's going to be big differences in the ships and the technology? You know, are they just not going to, oh, we don't have hologram, you know, we use flip phones. You know, what, is, what the heck is going to be the big difference? I feel like the spaceships shouldn't be crazy different. Like, they should, I expect some to look like, old beat up hunks of junk and I expect some to look like the ones from Naboo, you know, different style. Uh, and the same level, like Coruscant probably looks the same. But what do you guys think? What's it going to look like 200 years ago? And uh, do you think this is making it easier to uh, maybe go way back to Tar Vizsla? All right, guys. Have a good one. Ignite the green. 
So to me, this is always the trickiest part of telling Star Wars stories set way in the past. Because... But still in a future. Right, exactly. Because, you know, we've talked about it. We're fans of Knights of the Old Republic, right? And I'm fan, and, and you enjoy Tales from uh, Tales of the Jedi, right? Which is way, right. way back, right? And right. my one, one of my few complaints about Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2 and the Old Republic MMO is... You could say, oh, this is just set in a different part of the galaxy. You know, this is set in the unknown regions while everything else in Star Wars is going on. And I would buy it because technology does not seem that far removed to the point where ships seem awfully similar in design and construction. And, and like, the Sith Empire has what looks kind of like Star Destroyers and shit, right? Right. And I get it, like, it's really easy to lean on that iconic ship design to sort of elicit that feeling in the player or in the, you know, the consumer, because they see that and immediately connect it to something they know. But I would like to see, you know, more unique, varied designs that don't rely so heavily on stuff we've already got established, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, that's part of the reason I've always thought Tales of the Jedi were really cool because they have some weird ship designs, these weird, like, almost biomechanical-looking, like, insectoid ship designs that seem, like, still futuristic and sci-fi, but far removed from what you get in, uh, you know, the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. And Jim's right. Like, even in that stuff, there's new, shiny, new, new-looking ships, and then there's still beat-up hunks of junk. Um, I think you can still do both of those aesthetics and make it seem different enough to not just like, oh, this looks like the great great granddaddy to the X-Wing or whatever it is, right? I I think if you dedicate enough to one stylistic fashion, like if you dedicate towards the fashion of an era, right? Like, I think you can get away from a certain style. You know what I mean? Like, so X-Wings are, I don't know, they're kind of like hot rods basically or whatever. Yeah, or like um, change ship styles, or like if you put fins on everything, like it's the twenties or something, like the, it can end up feeling yeah like a different fashion era. Like you know what I mean? You know, I always felt X wings to me felt more like World War Two fighter planes type of feel. You know, um, right? I was just going to cars, I guess. Yeah, now, they are like so the X wings are like the fighter planes and the the A-Wings are like the ace fighters, like the super fast. Right. And then like in the, especially in the Phantom Menace with like the Naboo ships and shit, it seems like they went in more of a like Buck Rogers art deco. Yeah. Like design. So that, yeah, that's where I'm getting to is you could, 
integrate some more of that influence into the design of the ships and stuff. Um, and in, in really make it varied enough that <clears throat> you could come up with some cool stuff, right? Like, right. um, now with the high Republic as it is now being books and stuff, you know, well, they are doing comics. I was about to say, I don't know how many new ship designs we'll actually see since it's books, but they're doing comics and stuff. Um, and as far as does that open the door for them to explore even further in the past? I don't see why not. You know, you have to imagine at some point <clears throat> Old Republic is on the table. Right. Like, I don't see... The more and more I think about the High Republic, the more and more I think, wonder, like, why wasn't it just the Old Republic? And I have to imagine that's for one of two reasons. They don't want to... Uh, negate any of the Old old Republic material just yet. It's an eventuality that it will happen. Um, but right now, you know, that stuff is so far removed from everything that's being dealt with in canon now that it's, that you don't have to do that, right? Right. Or they want to keep that separate because they have plans for it somewhere down the line. Um, which I think is very much a possibility as well. <coughs> but... Yeah, man. I'd love to see some Tar Vizsla sometime. It would be cool. All right. So now we're going to move on to some emails. Uh, and first up, um, we have an email from our buddy Steven. Hey, guys. With the amazing end to the Clone Wars, maybe not vibing perfectly with the beginning of the Ahsoka book, I was wondering how would you like to see things like this handled? I know you always said that books, comics, or canon until they aren't. Wow, we talked about that, and I agree okay. with that. I'm glad they decided to tell the end of story the way they wanted to instead of feeling like it had to mesh perfectly with the book. Do you think they should ignore it, announce that a certain part of the book isn't canon anymore, claim it was a vision, or something else? I assume this type of thing is going to happen more and more often, potentially with some famous armor soon, and I don't want deep cuts in a book to limit the creators of TV and movies, but I do feel like they need to figure out a standard way of de dealing with these conflicts. Thanks for all you do. I love your show, Steve. Thanks, buddy. Um, so yeah, Will, I'll, I'll just catch you up real quick. Um, so a couple years ago, there was an Ahsoka novel that came out, right? And in parts of that novel, it's been a little while since I've read it, so it's not super fresh on my mind, but it sort of has these flashbacks to like the siege of Mandalore and her duel with Maul and burying the sabers and things like that. Um, yeah. And I think one of the big conflicts that's come up between that book and the siege of Mandalore, as we saw it in the Clone Wars, is that Order 66 actually begins while she's still on Mandalore. I think that's one of the big conflicts that he's talking about. And <clears throat> honestly, I do not have an answer to how you address or deal with this stuff. You know, much like Steve when Steve was saying in the the email, I don't want these books and comics 
to necessarily hinder any sort of like creative choices that someone on a show or an animated series or a movie wants to make. But I also want them to try to do their best not to cause any of these conflicts. We were kind of talking about this earlier. Um, But I don't know how you address it when they come up. What would you do in that case? Oh, I, I would, I would stick with the line of, you know, the live action stuff seems is more canon than, you know, maybe everything that's in a book because, but I, I would, like you said, I'd do my best to stick with what was already out there, mm-hmm. you know, because if you've already got something out there and you're working in the same time period, I mean, honestly, it behooves you to know what is out there, what happens in this time period that you need to know about. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's hard to, and this is not a slight against the author of that Ahsoka book. Who's escaping me right now? Um, it's hard to argue like, well, Dave Filoni, the dude who helped create, you know, hundreds, uh, hundred plus episodes of the Clone Wars should be beholden to this, you know, flashback in a book as opposed to whatever it is he wants to do in a show. You know? Right. So, yeah, I think maybe the best approach would just be like, you know, animation, live action TV, and movies take canon precedent. Meaning, like, that's a number one canon. If it conflicts with something in a book or a comic, then the book or the comic is wrong, not the show, you know, or the cartoon or movie. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I would just rather... Um, Well, it's hard to say. I was going to say I would rather them just try their best not to let that sort of stuff happen, but I prefer the Clone Wars version of events as opposed to the Ahsoka version of events. So I don't know, man. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got an email from Eddie. Hi, Halls and Will. Just wanted to thank you guys for continuing to be a staple of positivity in the fandom. I took a break from Star Wars a little after Christmas due to all the negativity and whatnot, but on May the 4th, I decided to end my break in a big, bad way. Popped in some Star Wars podcasts, which of course included you guys. Bought some Star Wars pops, Dark Ray, Red Eyes High as a Kite, 3PO, and Han and Carbonite to answer your question. Ooh, that Han and Carbonite pop is sweet. Uh, An R2-D2 case for my phone, and I also downloaded and started Old Republic with my little brother. I feel I came back at just the right time. Boba freaking Fett in Mando Season 2. I was with you on Episode 5 in Season 1, with that being Boba Fett at the end. I was also was trying not to get my hopes up, um, honestly, but now that it is confirmed, my wallet weeps for all of the Boba Fett merch I'm going to buy from not only the Mandalorian Season 2, but the fact that it's the 30th, 40th anniversary of Empire, and the Boba Fett merch is hot right now. Dude, um, a funny aside, uh, a couple of weeks ago when the Boba Fett news came out, Jesse was like, you know what this means, right? And I was in the kitchen getting a snack. I was like, what does this mean? She goes, there's going to be a lot of new Boba Fett stuff coming out. (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's what it means. Um, Hey, buddy. Yeah? Can you give me one second? Yeah. 
started the new season of the Clone Wars 2, and I'm so impressed by the animation. If that Rebel sequel looks like this, it will be beautiful eye candy for sure. Again, I can't thank you guys enough for being so positive. You guys make me happy to still love Star Wars. It's nice to know that when everybody's being a dick about errors and hating on people just to hate, you guys are doing the opposite. Star Wars to me has always been about bringing people together, and I truly feel that the Blue Harvest podcast does that. Thanks, buddy. I do have Thanks. a question for you guys regarding Ahsoka. So I read that Rosario Dawson might be the live action for her, which is kick-ass in my opinion. Only thing, though, is actually X-Sign still going to be doing her voice. She voiced her in Nine, so unless she dies and her Force Ghost gets younger like Anakin, I guess that would explain Ashley doing the voice. If you guys covered this before, I'm sorry. Just with the break, I know I'm behind on a lot of things. Also, would love to... Would, you guys be cool with all the OG bounty hunters from Empire making cameos in Mandalorian at some point, or do you feel like that's too hokey? Thanks again, guys. Your buckethead moisture farmer, Eddie F. Thanks, buddy. Um, no, put all the classic Empire Strikes Back bounty hunters in the Mandalorian. I'm totally cool with that. <coughs> so, I don't think Ashley Eckstein will be doing the voice of... Um, ahsoka um and i, th I think personally i'm glad like i think the performance will be more natural if it is rosario dawson's voice and her delivering her lines yeah yeah and you know i know that's gonna that has the potential to bum out a lot of ashley Eckstein fans and i i totally get that you know that character is so beloved and and she is so associated with that character that i understand but i also think we're getting to the point where you're going to have to, you know, sort of separate the live action version from the animated version. And right. It's going to be the same character, just portrayed by two different people in two different formats. Right. And with that <clears throat> one tiny line in the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker, I think you just got to chalk that up to, uh, you know. That's who Respect they, for her portrayal of the character is what I feel like. Yeah, that and, you know, they don't want to let the cat out of the bag and have Rosario Dawson do that voice. And then people are like, who who was that one voice, you know? If she was even signed to do it at the time. I Well, I don't know when they would have recorded that audio, but I think she probably would have. By the time uh, Rise of Skywalker came out, that her stuff was probably already filmed for Mando, if I had to guess. Uh, you know, don't know that for sure, but I would imagine. Um, but yeah, I, um, you know, I don't think it'll be <coughs> that huge of a deal when it comes down to it. All right. Next up, we have an email from Coda. Hey guys, just wondering what y'all thought about an open world Star Wars <coughs> game. Kind of like Star Wars Bounty Hunter, but based around the Mandalorian. You could collect bounties and team up with side characters such as our boy Boba Fett. I've been wanting a Star Wars Bounty Hunter game based on Boba Fett since I played that game, but I feel that the, this would be even better. Let me know what y'all think. Uh, yeah, perfect. Give me that. Absolutely. You could go from running down bounties to like flying to them, like chasing them. Yeah, and... What I think would be cool is, so obviously, probably the easiest way to approach that would to be make it a prequel to the series. 
right? Because you don't want to try to no, sandwich right. in the story of this game in between seasons or in between episodes, even less. So I also think it would be a cool opportunity to give us more backstory on the character. Like maybe it starts, the game starts off with a, him getting into the Bounty Hunters Guild, you know, and his first few bounties. And I think that could be really cool. And yeah, I would fucking love that. Be all about that. <clears throat> all right. Next up, we have an email from Ian. Hello, Blue Harvest. First off, sorry for the lack of emails the past few months. It's been super hectic. Before the second semester started, I'm a high school teacher, I needed to create and teach a whole new class. Just as it began to catch up, hello, pandemic. I still haven't caught up, but I'm currently listening to 247, where y'all are talking about Ray's force vision, and I have some thoughts I'd like to share with you. Now to my interpretation of the mirror scene. First, as it was said before, it has obvious connection to Luke on Dagobah. Additionally, it's important to remember Yoda's force visions during his lost missions arc. He had two totally different visions. The first, a dark Yoda he fights against, and the second, where Dooku, Qui-Gon, Ahsoka, and other Jedi live peacefully. Now, the thread these visions all share are they're either a temptation or fear these characters have. Concerning Rey, the limitless rays to me are a symbol of Rey's endless choice and paths she can take, and these choices or paths all start with her there, start with her. There may be endless possibilities, but she still always has herself. The mirror and the fake out to me symbolize several ideas. First, her temptation to know so badly her parents. Secondly, her fear of the unknown. Ray's path is before her and her knowledge of who her parents are doesn't relate to her path. The temptation she'll find out who her parents are, which would be benefit the dark side, or her path is rise above and become her own person, which doesn't relate to the knowledge of her parents, that she can become her own person. I hope this makes some kind of sense. This won't be the last email. I'm so close to catching up. Love the podcast. Thanks all for all you do. Thank you, buddy. I think that's a yeah, solid, thanks. solid interpretation. And Ian actually uh, hit me up on Twitter and was saying that I guess he heard the episode where King Tom called in with his interpretation of the Ray mirror scene and their stuff sort of, um, they lined up on their thoughts quite a lot. So that was right. cool. That is cool. All right. We got a couple more emails and then we'll call it a night. Uh, next up we have Kobe. Kobe. <clears throat> hey guys, thanks for answering all my questions last week, but you know, I got some more. Number one, what is each of your favorite Star Wars movies? And also, what do you think is the best? For example, your fave may be Phantom Menace, but you acknowledge that Empire is the best. Like I've said before, I've got some clues as to what they might be, but I'm still uncertain. My favorite is Attack of the Clones. I know, weird, right? I still think the best is Revenge of the Sith. Um, I don't know. I, th I guess I'm kind of a, a basic dude, and I think uh, my favorite is Empire, and I think the best is Empire. I get out of my head. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. My favorite is Empire and the best movie is Empire. <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah, I think that lines up pretty well with me. Uh, number two. What I also is, really like The Last Jedi. Me too. I think that's my number two for in both 
categories, best and favorite. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, number two, what is your what is each of your top three favorite bands artist? Mine would be Blink One Eighty Two, Breaking Benjamin, and I teeter back and forth with bands like Limp Biscuit, Nirvana, Cranberries, etc. Um, this one's hard for me because like I um I like uh so my favorite is Tool, but the other two spots kind of uh they're fluid man like it depends on what i'm really listening to and digging so like tool and then i would say coheed and cambria and pink floyd would be my top three currently tool will always be number one and then the other two have some wiggle room they might change in ebb and flow maybe metallica sleeps sneaks in there for a quick hello how you doing you know Definitely not Creed or Puddle of Mud like Chris Fresh says. <laughs> All right, well, your top three. My top three would be the Beatles, uh, the Pink Floyd, that is definitely. Mm -hmm. And then I, I'll say Tool. Hey, yo. <clears throat> All right. And then number three, what, should, what in your opinion is the best Star Wars best character in star wars i understand that might be tough so if you if you're stumped and can't narrow it down to one you can give a couple of characters thanks for being the best kobe um i'm gonna give you my favorite character from the three trilogies how's that work for you kobe from the prequel trilogy obi-wan kenobi love me some obi-wan kenobi oh my god do i love that dude uh, original trilogy, Luke Skywalker. Clearly, I'm a bit of a boner for Jedi characters because sequel trilogy, Rey. That's my three favorite characters from, you know, one favorite character from each trilogy. Right. What about you, Will? My favorite character, old school, is going to be Obi-Wan, like you said. My favorite character... And the middle trilogy is Han Solo. Mm -hmm. And then my favorite character in the last one is, I gotta say Ray. You know, I, I was trying to think if it was going to be Finn or Poe, but it's Ray. Poe would probably be like a close second for me. I really like that character. It's so hard. There's so many characters that I love so much, but I just tried to like boom, 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 do my three from each trilogy. Kylo Ren is also a good tragic character. Kylo I mean, Ren is a really good character. Maybe the best, you know, like not my favorite, like we were talking about a second ago, but the best. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. We got one more email, and this is from Utah. Uh, Dougie. Dougie. Uh, he asks uh, Does Mando and Boba Fett team up, fight each other, or briefly opposed and then team up for the greater good? Dougie. Oof. I think the the very last option. Oh, see, Briefly that's... opposed, then team up for the greater good. Yeah, if we're going with my preferred um, scenario where Boba Fett's, you know, in it a, a more than a flashback, getting eat by a fucking sand butthole, um, I would say that's what I want, is the classic comic book scenario where the two characters 
Oh, they butt heads. And then they're like, oh, no, we got to join together. Oh, your mom's name is Martha? Wow, so is mine. Let's go beat up Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, wow. You know, that's yeah. that's what I would hope. But I also kind of wonder if it's just going to be straight up Boba versus the Mando. Um, because I kind of feel like a bad Mandalorian versus a good Mandalorian. Well, a bad guy in Mandalorian armor versus a good guy in Mandalorian armor. A paragon versus a villain. Yeah. Uh, versus a, a renegade. Right. That could be cool too, though. Ooh, that could be cool. <clears throat> All right, buddy. Well, that does it for this week. Uh, thanks for recording with me. Dude, thanks for having me on. If you guys... Um, haven't already please leave us a five-star review on itunes it really helps us out we're only nine away now from 200 reviews we're so close so help us cross that if you don't mind uh and if you enjoy our theme song please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music they're stoned cobra and you can find them on itunes spotify and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com and until next week when we'll see what the fuck happens in Star Wars news. This has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.